You are listening to the Intentional Talk Radio Network. It is a Tuesday. Thank you for joining us. We've got a great show this afternoon. It is time for Change Matters with your host, Kenny Hendricks and Colette Williams. So stick and stay. Don't go away. As Kenny Hendricks says, we've got a great show for you this afternoon. We've got Lena Kennedy who's coming on to talk about her book for John J. Kennedy. Thank you. This is the Intentional Talk Radio Network, and we've got a great show right here at ITRNRadio.com. And good evening, good evening, and thank you for joining us. It's a beautiful Tuesday evening. If it's a Tuesday, you know what that means. It's time for Change Matter Solutions. We do this each and every Tuesday here on the Intentional Talk Radio Network. It's 7 o'clock here in the Big D, Dallas, Tejas. It is 9 o'clock on the East Coast. Did I say 9 o'clock? I meant 8 o'clock on the East Coast, and it is 5 o'clock on the West Coast. And if you are in the mountain time zone, Hey, you do the math. We've got another great show lined up for you, so stick and stay and don't go away. And remember, tell a neighbor, tell a friend about the Change Matters Movement. I am your host, Kenny Hendricks. And I am your host, Colette Williams, right here on ITRNRadio.com. I like saying that, as you can tell. This is Intentional Talk Radio Network. We've got a great show for you this afternoon. And before I go into the great show with our guest, Lena Kennedy... I'm sure some of you, especially in the Pasadena area, know that John is sitting there on the throne, as he should be, on the throne. And he's looking down to make sure that all of us who are in the Pasadena area or who recognize Pasadena as home, that we're doing the right thing, that we're keeping up the beat. He was a drum beater, and he wants us all to keep that going. So we have promised, we have stated that that is exactly what we're going to do. And because most of us have, have attended John Muir High School, I will say this, and I know Kenny Hendricks is not going to like this at all. The turkey tussle, the turkey tussle that we all grew up with is on Wednesday. Yep, Wednesday, tomorrow, the middle of the week. Why is it in the middle of the week? Because the Rose Bowl likes UCLA better. Well, yeah. Okay, because they bring in... Bring in more money. Bring in more money. And John Muir High School football team, it ain't that big of a deal. So at least the kids get to play in the Rose Bowl. They'll be able to say that they played in the Rose Bowl. But the Rose Bowl feels that UCLA is bigger, better, better. So they get to play in the Rose Bowl, John Muir High School, and that's it, which I think is is not right. It's not right. They have a contract with the city of Pasadena. Yeah, they do. That's right. They have a contract with the city of Pasadena. And because they have a contract, they basically buy out the Rose Bowl for their usage. So... It's not that whether it's right or wrong, they have to make money. Of course. Um, the, the Unified School District does not have a contract to for their paying them for usage. So basically, UCLA rents out the space, mm-hmm. layman terminology, mm-hmm. and it's a long-term contract. Mm-hmm. So it's not and school, dis- yeah, school districts don't do that. School districts do not have contracts in that fashion. That's money that they, they don't, don't have. They don't have the money. They don't have the money and kids are basically liabilities. So it's not that 
it, it, it just won't happen. Which again, I, I have an issue with that, but that's okay. That's okay. But I'm glad to see that we have the wonderful Lena Kennedy who is on with us right now. Lena Louise Kennedy, who is the principal proprietor and owner of the Southern California Women's Health Conference that is now 22 years old, or is it 23 years old? Actually, tech is 24 because of COVID. We've just lost a couple of years. 24 years old. And I think I have been attending that conference in Pasadena. And I do believe that's the biggest event in Pasadena. And I have said to lots of people, that is truly a conference you don't want to miss. It started out in the convention center and it was every bit of convention center event, every bit, every bit. And I have even been in Dallas and had to come back for the Southern California Women's Health Conference because it's that great. It brings in people from all over. I remember the day that Gavin Newsom was the keynote speaker and keynote speakers are all kinds of people. And it brings in all kinds of people. And there isn't any stone that's left unturned. There isn't any stone that's left unturned. We have been there setting up for the conference. That conference has had, I believe, Lena, correct me if I'm wrong, 5,000 people in one afternoon? Yeah, we've had up to 4,000. 4,000 people in one afternoon. And they are busy doing, getting, receiving all day. And it goes from seven in the morning till three in the afternoon and everybody stays. We don't expect all 4,000 people to be there, but you can rest assured. I would venture to say 80% of the people stay all afternoon, all day. And it's worth every minute, every minute. So right now we're going to talk about the Southern California Women's Health Conference. And Lena Kennedy, I'd like to introduce you to Kenny Hendricks who's also a Pasadenan, Altadenan. How are you? Fine. Good, good to meet you. And Kenny Hendricks knows John. John has been on several times and we became very close to John. And Lena, I want to bring up something and I hope you don't mind. And I wanted to do this with John on and John said he would come on, but he would leave the floor to me because he didn't want to be the one to say anything. And maybe I shouldn't say anything because I might cry. But let me tell you what kind of person he was. And I hope it's okay, Lena. Okay. <laughs> well, John was, uh, as I said to you before, Kenny, I met John when he was with the Urban League. I met him at Crenshaw High School because the Urban League at the time was a partner at Crenshaw High School. So I met John at Crenshaw. Then again, we connected again when he went to the Southern California Edison Company. Then again, when he went to Pasadena. And John had been coming on to this network, I want to say for the past four or five years, I could call on John. And John would be there. And I guess in 2019, I believe it was, it was, it was either 2018 or 2019. We all went to the class reunion and it was all three high schools. 
Blair, Muir, and PHS. And John was the guest speaker. And John is known for bringing it real and doing what he's supposed to do. And that night he brought it and it was real. It was mind blowing. And I will not ever forget that. Never. And I will not forget some of the things that he talked about while on this network. And uh, I say to people all the time and Kenny, Gary Moody, who again is another member of the ITRN family. Uh, he and I talk about John each time we talk and the shoes that Justin Jones has to fill. And Lena, you know better than any of us if Justin is capable of filling those shoes. Is he? You know, this is this is how I uh, I operate from a space of no one can fill John's shoes. No one can fill any of our shoes because God made us all individuals, and each of each of us brings something different to the table. The table. Mm-hmm. And I think Justin has the capacity to bring to the table a perspective that's representative of who he is and he will learn the district and he will do his best to be of service to the district. I think he has the capacity to be of service. Uh, Justin was a mentee of John. I did not know that he had wanted to serve in district three, but when the opportunity came and John passed away, why wouldn't he, who had a desire to run for office, put his name in the hat? And that's what he did. And he was selected to be the council member for District 3. And I just think that it's not a matter of filling one's shoes. It's a matter of learning the job and being up for the task. And that's something that Justin will have to maneuver himself through that process to understand what it takes to be a council member. And every single district is different and every council member's district. John just happened to be a force of nature that worked really hard to do things that typically council members don't do. He ran his office as if he was sitting in the seat as a, a state senator or an assembly member. He really took that job seriously. It was the priority of his life to be of service to District 3. Not that it's not the priority of the other council members' life to be of service to their district. People just do it in a different way. And he did it with such passion. He did it with such vigor. He did it with such a desire to make life equitable for all people. And to really work hard at creating Pasadena as one Pasadena. And so that every district in Pasadena would be served fairly. He brought attention and spotlighted areas where there was um, a discrepancy, so to speak. And I think that Justin Jones have the capacity to be a, a great servant. And I think that he will work hard at that. 
And that is my prayer for him. But no one, absolutely no one could fill the shoes of John Kennedy. Absolutely no one. And, 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 and everybody needs to, and I think Justin understands that. Justin's trying to do Justin. And he's, he's, he's navigating through these waters, working at understanding what it takes. And I think he will do a fine job as he develops strong relationships within District 3. Well, it's going to take, uh, as I believe, it's going to take everybody. It's going to take everybody. Where John could do it because he was John or is John, it's going to take everybody this time. Yeah. It's going to take everybody. And you know, I, I agree. And I hope that the community, they're going to have a vote, the council member vote on December, I think it's December the 12th, to decide who will be the council member in John's district. And the two names that are in the pot, there are two gentlemen in the names that have been submitted. I don't know what the deadlines are for others to submit their names, but right now I do know there are two. And the council member will make that, they will vote on it. It's not a public vote for the voters to manage. It is a vote within the structure of the city council to determine who will serve in that seat from January 2023 to 2024. And mm. then there will be an election. Right, okay. So we will see what happens on December the 12th, I believe it is. And we have two young men that are, they're both young, that names are, have been submitted. So once that happens, that's when the real work to me will be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, January. right, because, because that is right. That we all have to come together. And my hope is that the community will come together and not create division. And that these two men, whoever the person is, my hope and my desire and my prayer is that the community will let the powers that be, which are the council members, make that decision. And once that decision is made, my prayer is that the community will not create division that the community will not try to shout, cloud that person's life with unnecessary rhetoric and confusion. Mm -hmm. And I say that because there are two black men that are vying for that seat. And I would love to see the black community rally around them and be supportive of them, no matter who is in that seat and not cre create division among those two. I don't want to see that happen. And that's where we fall short if we don't learn how to collectively come together and not divide and not divide and not be envious and not cry injustice where it wasn't injustice. Right. But to engage themselves in the process in an effective way so that the outcome will be fair, just, and right. Mm -hmm. But don't create division amongst these two young men. That's what I don't want to happen. Where it isn't necessary. It's not necessary. Yeah. It's, it's more, I would love to see the community rally behind 
creating jobs for young people, a workforce investment. I would love to see the community rally behind our school kids and making sure that there's equity in the school system. I would love to see the, the community rally behind things that are tangible, that they can create systemic change and not create division. I'd love to see the community do that. And when I see the community come together because they're not happy with something, I want to say, I always want to ask, and I do ask, I always want to know, what's your end game? What are you, what are your expectations? What is your goal? If you understand your goal, work backwards to fulfill that goal, but don't work and make decisions based on emotion. Yeah. Because you will fail every time. Every time. Mm -hmm. And I just don't see the long-term investment of working on a project A all the way to project Z in and one task. I see them start at A and end and stop at D. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. what I see. And what yes. I want to see is that they say, I want to see change in this area. And if it takes 10 years, if it takes 15 years, but we're going to see change because we're going to be steady in our focus. But what happens based on what happens in our society, emotions flare up based on someone being shot or, or, or something not going the way they want. And then after five or six months, it go away. Find that yeah. issue and follow it all the way through. So if you think there's some kind of injustice with how the selection process is, there's a charter. How do you change that charter? And that's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. So I, that's what I push for is long-term systemic change brings about positive results. And, and, and Lena, you're, you're uh, echoing something I've said for a long time. That one of the issues that we have in the community is people come together. They came together for George Floyd and a number of people being shot. And they went out and protested, protested and carried signs. But there was never a now what? Okay, you've protested. You've gone sometimes, even rioted and all these things. Okay, not not now what? Now what? Yeah. And 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 unfortunately, in our community, a lot of times, you know, we get to that point where we protested and we've done all these things, and we're waiting on somebody else yes. to figure out what to do. So I, I call it waiting on permission. Right, and, and you don't have to. And and the and the sad part about it is that while my brother sat on the city council, and this is a very true story, and you could go check the records. There was a rally at La Pinterest, La Pinterest Library of a lot of people that got together to rally because someone had been shot or they were, it was an anniversary or a birthday. And while they were at the La Pinterest Library, John Kennedy was sitting on the council advocating for federal dollars to be spent in the Black community so that these kids and young people could have workforce development, housing, et cetera. And the council voted for those dollars to go someplace else. So the sad part about that story is this. While you're out marching, the powers that be are making, are decisions, making decisions on money that could impact yes. you in a positive way. But because you're so emotional mm -hmm. and you're not looking at the systemic change, you're missing the boat. And so while they expect, they say, let them be emotional, let them react. After five or six months, they go it, it's, away. It's and what have you mm -hmm. seen? What, what I ask people, George Floyd was murdered. It brought a lot of attention across the country and in other countries as well. 
my question to all of us, to all of us, in your local community, what have you seen change that is a systemic change? Yes. What's as a result plan of that, for yeah. systemic change, and what are you doing every single day at your monthly meetings to implement those systemic change? Nothing. And that's what I don't see. And I, I've seen a lot of groups form up and organize themselves, and 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 they say we're called this, we're called that, and they're doing some things. But when I go to the meetings, it's one or two people at the meeting, but they're pushing forward. And so I keep saying something's wrong and we haven't identified because I think we choose not to identify what's wrong. Mm -hmm. But if you, but when you're come to doing the work, you only have two or three people showing up for a meeting. But when you go to March, you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people showing up. Marching's yes. easy. Marching's easy. Marching is easy. And, it, and it's fun. And if it gets it's people fun. out of work, it, it keeps them. It becomes a party. Yeah, it, it's a party. It's and I have great admiration for people like yourself and John because you are in the trenches and, and you're doing what's necessary. We have to avail ourselves of the processes that are there. If we yeah. don't get into politics, if we don't have our people on police forces, if we don't have our police in the military, when those decisions are made and they're made against us, you know, you get what you pay for. If We, we yeah. have to have people. And right. I constantly tell people, if you think it's bad with the police right now, how would it be if there were no black police officers? Thank how would you. Be, how would these city councils and all of these things be if there was no black representation at all? We need representation at all levels. And, and I commend you greatly for these things because that's the only way it's going to happen. There was someone once said Jackie Robinson was not going to change baseball by standing outside the stadium and yelling and screaming. He had to get in there and he had to take the crap that was going on and he did it and he changed baseball. We have to have people. It's not easy. It is not easy and not no, everybody not. can do it. His brother, Mac Robinson, was actually a, a better baseball player. But he, he, was, was, he wasn't he? He really yeah, was. Yeah, he really was, yes. But Jackie was the one with the temperament that could be able to, that could handle that and we need people like that. We, we need, that's so, like so that. very important and I think that when I think about Mr. Kennedy, John Kennedy, that's who he was. He had this woman that was his colleague, Caucasian woman. And I read, I had one, I had one of the ministers read her statement. But she said he was dogmatic or dogged about standing up for justice, even at the expense of standing alone. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that was John. Yes. We want people to like us and we yes. want to feel good and we don't want to take the hits. And we don't want so, the truth. We don't want to face the truth. Well, it's, it's, it's not to me, it's more so we don't want to take the hits. Mm -hmm. You're telling the truth, but you would rather just quietly sit back and say nothing because it, if you yes. say something, your colleague may not like you or may tell you off on local TV where everybody hear it or no, nobody won't speak to you or they may not vote for your issue. So you quietly sit back and say nothing. Mr. Kennedy never quietly sat back, never, not once. He forced them to take ownership for injustice. He forced them to look at their behavior when decisions were being made that were not positive for his district and the community, such as 
when, and nobody talks about this stuff. This is what bothers me. One person cannot do it all by themselves. That's right. One nobody talks can. about it. When they have the uh, cannabis, the people voted and the people said one thing, but in there, there was a stipulation that said, even though the voters voted, the council can come back and change, change it, change mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. the voters said. Really? So, and it happened. It did? The council came back and said, we voted that there could be one cannabis shop in every single district. That's seven districts. The council came back and said, we decided we want more. And so we're going to dump three cannabis shops into district three. Now, now, when you look, if all you have to do for all of you, go look at the census, you're going to, you have a high population of um, housing. I, I don't want to misuse the name, but you have a high population of these homes on Fair Oaks and different places yep. where people are making millions of dollars and yep. people are coming out of prison or having a place to stay or they're disabled, whatever those homes are called. In Northwest Pasadena, we're concentrated with those, saturated with them. Yep. Then you have the lowest academic level in that district. Yep. You have the largest number of renters in that district. Yep. And, and that's where they want to put three cannabis stores. And you have crime in that district. Yes. Now, yes. in this, the other districts don't have those issues if you just look at the census. But then they want to turn around because District 3 is the low-hanging fruit and nobody's going to say nothing. They mm -hmm. dumped three cannabis shops in District 3. And they voted on it and said, yes. John cried out for help from the community. Where were they? You know, people don't really understand how powerful they are. They you don't. know, people, it, it, and it, it boggles my mind. And I remember, I, I found out a long time ago, I remember when they put Rush Limbaugh on Monday Night Football, he only lasted like two weeks because myself and a whole bunch of other people wrote, I guess it was on NBC or ABC at the time, I can't recall, but we actually wrote letters and he was gone in two weeks because we were not standing. And I realized, and I was I guess I was probably in my 20s, maybe mid-20s back then. And I realized we do have power. When people stand up and stand together, they've got power. And it doesn't matter who you are. If you've got the numbers, you can get things done. And I think that's the thing that we just need to figure out how to teach people and teach our young people that you do have the power to change things, but you have to be willing to get involved in the system. You can't stand outside the stadium yelling and screaming that baseball is against you if you're not willing to get in there and you've got to take some punches. And But we don't have, unfortunately, we have those people who feel like doing the, the hard work is going and disrupting meetings, protesting, going into the street banging on things and nothing ever gets done take a look around simply look around it's that easy look around and with this george george floyd what has happened a lot of nothing a lot of nothing blm is now 
in the paper because they're Alicia Garza front and center. Now the question is, was it a scam? The answer is yes, it was a scam. And Alicia Garza and her wife, uh, Patrice Colors, they hopefully will do jail time because it was a scam. They haven't done anything to help black people, even though that's why they raised almost a billion dollars to help black folks, which never happened. And by the same token, some of the things that have taken place in Pasadena, I worked with a company called How Can I Help You? When they told the black folks up there at John Muir High School, uh, the Northwest side, we came here to help you and you people. And that to me was a sign. And I said at that time, they can't get me to work with them anymore because I could see that there was so much racism in that help. They came from Arcadia. They felt like we're going to do something for these folks who are lesser than. And that's the way it came off. And it didn't do anything for the city of Pasadena or for the kids of Pasadena. And until we find a way to create glue for our communities, it's going to be the same thing. And that's completely unfortunate. And Lena, I know you probably will. There's so many of these things that you do. There was a meeting at the church on, I think, oh, it was uh, the AME church on, on Raymond. I think that's Larry Campbell. And there was a meeting for Jackie Robinson and the two that were running against Jackie. And I knew at that meeting that Jackie Robinson was going to win. I just knew she was going to be the next mayor. I just knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And I can't remember if I called you or Eleanor and I said, when is the party? Because I know Jackie won. I know Jackie won. Jackie didn't win. I felt like I'd been punched. I felt like there was no excuse for Jackie not winning. No rhyme or reason for Jackie not winning. And I don't remember who said it, but Black folks didn't get out to vote. Black folks did not vote. Thus, Jackie didn't win. And I thought that that was such a slap in the face. Because we grew up in Pasadena, just like you did. And we, even though our our home is someplace else, our roots are there. And we don't want to see Pasadena just not come up. Because there's every reason that it should. Every reason that it should. And we hear a lot of things, just like the woman who went to uh, a house over on the east side. And you may know about this. Her name is, I can't think of her name right now, but she took a hatchet and went banging out windows. We hear all the, all the stuff. And did you hear about that one, Lena? No. Today. Yeah. She took a hatchet and just started banging out windows, tearing up the house. She tore out six windows with a hatchet. In her own house? No. 
today, somebody else's house, someone else's house, and they can't figure out the motive, but she's a black woman. She has a name that's recognizable, and I just can't call her name right now, but she's banging out the windows. We hear about those things. Now we have one black girl who is on the Rose Court, and why? After we made noise, we still only get one. And I know that there are other young black girls in those three schools who are worthy of being on the court. We really? Well, we need to take ownership. Yeah. And I think that's fundamentally, we have to take ownership. Like Nina said, one that I guess is district three is the highest concentration of renters. Yes. Renters, renters have no stake. Right. You know, they, they've got no dog in the hunt. They don't care. And so it, it's hard for them to believe in ownership and believe that anything's going to happen. And the rest of the people need to begin to take ownership. And, 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 and I don't know if we need to have, you know, some after school programs to start teaching our kids. Uh, I know it starts at the home. We need to begin repairing our families. One mm-hmm. of the biggest issues we have is the families that are, our, our families have been decimated in the past 20, 30, 40 years. We've got to start rebuilding the families. And I think fundamentally and foundationally, if we start building the families back, I think the rest can happen. I think it's going to take time, but we've got to start doing it. But we've got to, we've got to start building the family back and we've got to take ownership of these things that should be ours, but we don't feel that they're ours. And which is why, you know, we can riot and burn things down because we don't own it. Right. Not ours. So we're not going to do it. Right. So we, we can care we less. Have, we have to have some stake in the game and we have to be able to take ownership of not just the physical piece, but also the political piece, you know, and the things that affect us. And like you said, if people aren't going to engage and they're not going to show up to vote, then you get you get what, what you get. get. Yeah, you get what you get. You get what they give you. And, and that, that's kind of where... We are right now. So. Right. So I, and, I was at an African, uh, my church is a African Methodist Episcopal Church, and we had our annual conference last week. And we were talking about the voting process. And our goal is to touch anyone and to get them to the polls. And we're just trying to touch numbers. Which is so like important. You numbers, you touch people. You touch people, you change the outcome. Mm-hmm. Right. But what one of the former bishop wife said she said everybody votes every everybody votes and she said whether you go to the polls or not you vote yeah that's a vote yeah vote that's right so if you didn't go to the polls or you didn't cast your ballot that's your vote you still voted that's your vote you still voted because your no vote and you're sitting at home is a vote it just went to somebody else, probably not yep. in your favor. Right. So if we start educating our communities and start letting the community know that you can be a homeowner, you need to, and we need to start young, but you have to remember generationally, sometimes we're hard on our people, but what we really need to do is educate because when you see a car, young Caucasian family that's in their early 30s and they own a 7,000 square foot home, it's because their parents left it to them. Right. Yep. That's and right. their parents left it to them. And right. it's, it's generational. So that's generational wealth, which Black people have not been privy to. Exactly. Yep. 
And so when we start educating our young kids in school and say, when you're, when you start working or you get your allowance, you get $10, you put 70% of those, those $10 away and spend 30% on whatever you want. And you teach them that. And then when they get into high school, there should be more programs on teaching kids about economic development yes, yes. and the importance of the economy and how the in- how the economy impacts every single thing that we do. And then you can, then they will start saving their dollars. And, and if we teach them, it's not so the people are so busy. Like I have to get a good job. I have to make a whole lot of money. It's not what you make it's what you say. It's what you keep. That's right. And it's about changing the way we think and the way you change the way people think is by teaching them, teaching them, and then having them do. You could have a child that has nothing, but they get a little bit of something and they save 95% of it. it. Mm -hmm. So then by the time they get up and they're with their friends, their friends are talking, they may come from wealth and they say, well, in my bank account, I have a hundred thousand dollars. And they're saying, how did you get that? Because that person saved everything they had. It's not that they came from wealth, but it's what you save. If you want a house, you have to understand what's my score. Is my score a 600 or is my score 800? Right. And it's what your credit is that you can leverage that will allow you to be a player at the table and advance in your life. And that's what we have to teach our kids. Protect your credit. And But we don't teach that because remember, we come from generations where that wasn't important. And remember, when you're going into homeownership, to a lot of people, that's very scary because they've never, for generations, they've never owned a home. Nobody in their family owned a home. They always rented. They either rented a house or they rented an apartment. So home ownership is a scary thing. And I have friends that say, oh, I don't want to own a home. That's too much. What What is too much? What is too much? I have a nephew that says he's too afraid and he's young and he's too afraid. We, and the, we, and the responsibility, I'm sorry, go ahead. The responsibility of own homeownership, home ownership eludes a whole lot of our people. And it's not that great of a responsibility. It's the biggest, it's the largest investment anyone could ever make. But it's the largest investment that will pay off. You will gain so much by owning a home. And unfortunately, the message is not getting across to the young people because they don't want that that responsibility. That's I don't a, know if they don't want it. I think, I think that's a notion that we put on our young people that they don't want, they don't want to be engaged. I think that what we have to realize is that what we look at is generational impact of hundreds and hundreds and yeah. hundreds of years. And if we look at it from a different perspective and say, we're going to, if we just teach one, and if we can look at how do we bring about generational change, change, mm-hmm. change. And so we need to look at the systems that are in the control of how our kids think. It's the educational system. Sure it is. Mm-hmm. And so if that's the case, if we start with the educational system and say, we need to put implement in our school as mandatory when we were growing up and there was mandatory that we took home economics, yeah. and certain things. We can start with structural change 
to give our young people the opportunity because when I look at young people and they start saving their monies and buying their homes, they're happy. They're yes. they're getting a piece of the American dream. And I think oftentimes fear is lack of knowledge. Yes. It's simply lack of knowledge. So I want to give our young people the 100% benefit of the doubt. They have the capacity. It's on us that see that there's a problem and want to see a change that we start looking at the systems, the systems that are in control of giving our kids an opportunity to make change. And education is a component of being an equalizer. Yes, it let me, is. Let me see. Let me let me say this, and, and I feel strongly about this, is that, yes, we do need systems, but those systems, again, they're gone. Like when we were in school, home economics, we had, uh, for, for boys, yes. had shop, I took all sorts of shop classes. Education at the, the public, public school should be uh, in addition to what you're teaching at home. And you should be teaching these things at home as one. If they're not going to do it in the, in the schools, and we know they're not going to do it, then we need to be doing it in the homes. And there's a lot of things that we need to be doing in the homes that we're not teaching our kids as well. Black history. We learned black history at home. You know, black history in school, they tell you about uh, Harriet Tubman, now Barack Obama, and, of course, Kamala's going to be in there, and George Washington Carver and, 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 and uh, Robinson, Jackie Robinson. That's it. That's what they're going to teach you. So we have to teach these things in the home. And we can control what we teach our kids in the home. We sit in the school. We have no what idea what sorts of indoctrination is going to happen. And with the white flight that we've seen in the urban areas across the country, that's why the schools are in such disarray and disrepair. And they've taken everything out. They've taken all these shop classes. And all, you know, you used to be able to get a good job as a tradesman, a printer, a woodworker, and metal welder, things like that. Now you can't get that. They've taken all that stuff out of the school. Yeah, Those right. jobs aren't here. And now we have generations of young people who, for whatever reason, didn't go to college, couldn't go to college, couldn't afford to go to college, and they have no alternatives. And so what we have to do is pick up that slack in the homes and start teaching kids, teach young men how to do things. At one point, I had three pieces of property. And every time I called somebody on one piece of property, it was ne there was never a black person coming in to do any work on any of my pieces of property, not one. Now, years ago, I had black people coming through. But now, in the past 15, 20 years, when I call people to come do work on my home, it's 99% Hispanic. Okay? So, and our, our, the opportunities are not there. So, we have to teach children how to become entrepreneurs. If you can't find a job, how to become an entrepreneur. And that there's nothing wrong with a job. You know, we try to teach our kids to be entrepreneurs, and we do need black more black entrepreneurs. But not everybody is is cut out to be an entrepreneur. And some people, there is absolutely nothing wrong with having a job, getting a job. If you've got a good job that pays well, you've got benefits, you've got a four hundred one k, maybe you have a pension. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There is there there is honor in all work, and we really have to adopt that stance. Right now, try to tell one of these kids to get a job a, a job at McDonald's. I ain't doing that. You know, I can go sell drugs and make more money. Yeah. Right. They well, do say that. You're you're, go, you're going to jail. It's not if you go to jail. It's just it's when. It's when. Yeah. You know, and so those are the types of things that we have to fundamentally change, you know, in in our communities. So, Lena, tell us tell us a bit more. You know, Colette talked about the Women's Council. And why don't you give us some background on that and what's going on with you guys these days? And don't forget the book. So um, the Women's Conference. 
we 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 we've been meeting for years and years and years. We have the woman conference scheduled for uh, this year. We're working through determining how that conference is going to look for this year. I met with our executive team this morning, and we may we we know that it's going to be reduced just because of the COVID impact and. Just a lot has happened in the course of 2022. It's very possible that we may put it off to February of 2023. Hmm. So that will become public. Well, actually, you're hearing it now. So it's right. public. public now. <laughs> yeah. That conference may be just put to 2023, February of 2023, just because a lot has gone on with the passing of Councilman John. John J. Kennedy. Yeah. Um, and it's a great conference for women. The Man Cave will be renamed, and this is official. You're again, you're the first to hear that it will be renamed the John J. Kennedy Man Cave. Outstanding. And that's where we have men that come together. They talk about prostate cancer. That's one of the topics that they always talk about. But they talk about relationship building, finances, and a whole host of other topics. In the women's side, we have a young woman's commission. Uh, Miss Benita Bennett that runs that. And then every year we rotate someone out to, we give young women opportunities to take on leadership roles. And then we have the general conference, which we talk about female related cancer. We talk about investments, um, just, just empowering yourself as a woman. And we have incredible speakers that come from all aspects and talk to us and educate us and the purpose of the conference is really elevating women and allowing women to have a space where they can just interact with each other get edu get information and then take that information and apply it to their lives but there's all kinds of wonderful camaraderie that happens at that conference where it's, where it's really just relationship building, even if you're building a relationship with the speaker, because the speaker is saying something that resonates with you in your life and where you are at this juncture of your life. You're building a relationship and you're getting knowledge so that you can be a stronger, viable citizen and have the quality of your life be the best that it could possibly be. And we offer a top-notch conference because we want every woman to feel that they don't have to go out and pay $500 to go to a conference and get top-notch. They can come right here at this conference and get the best of the best. And we treat every single attendee as if, as if they're the most important woman on this planet Earth. Oh, and yeah. That's how we designed the conference. Is that not right, Yolanda? That's absolutely a fact and beyond. It absolutely is. And, and Julia can also attest to that. And as I said in the very beginning, this is a, con and I've been to hundreds of conferences. This is one that you cannot beat. And I'm always telling Lena for, the, I don't know how many years now, you got to take this show on the road. Mm -hmm. And there is a conference that took place last week in Dallas called the Dallas Women's Expo. Has nothing on this, nothing. And it's, it's a, it's a Saturday, Sunday conference. And those two days don't do what the Southern California Women's Health Conference does. And Lena is right. Of course, she is the principal of the conference, but there are people there from all walks of life. There are people there from every level and profession, every level of education, doctors, 
a plethora of doctors who are talking about their profession and beyond, professional people, business people, uh, those who run businesses. I would say the number of businesses that participate in this conference, probably somewhere in the area of maybe, I'd say maybe 50, Lena, maybe 50, 75 businesses participate. Yeah. A lot of, it's a, this conference is the success simply because of the community. Yeah, it really is. Community members that have been a part of this conference from the beginning, and they put their heart and soul into the planning of the conference. And it's made possible if I may be the person that's at the top, but only the only reason someone can sit at the top and do anything is because they have a whole lot of women and men holding that person up. That's right. It's the community that puts this conference on. I just... I just navigate us all through the process, but the community makes this happen. And this really, if you want to know what community looks like in Pasadena, Altadena and our San Gabriel Valley and women from LA and Long Beach and San Diego, that's community. We create, we have created our community by working together, making a difference, lifting each other up and supporting each other. And as a result, we have a wonderful conference. And it is. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe this took the place of Maria Shriver's conference. Maria Shriver had a conference in Long Beach. I'll never forget it. And the next thing that came up was the Southern California Women's Health Conference. And Maria Shriver, who used to be, what's his name's wife, she couldn't do this. Schwarzenegger. Yeah. She couldn't do this. And now Yolanda's being very kind. No, it's the truth. She. Her conference was pretty spectacular, and I copied from her. And well, Davis and um, uh, Duke Mason wife actually was the one that started the first day hmm. conference years ago. God, I haven't heard that name in Yeah, me either, yeah. Yeah, but she actually started the women's conference. And what I did, and I tell people this all the time, I copied from what they were doing because I wanted to create something for women that looked like me to have the same advantages that that conference was offering to all those women. Because if you went to that conference, the majority of the women that you saw, there were non-Black women. Yes. And I just wanted us to have the same quality. So I copied what they did and I learned from what they did and I brought it to my community. And, and, and so that's, you know, they have money that we don't even have. I mean, their, their sponsors, one sponsor is like $300,000. So we can't, we, we're we're not. We never say can't. We never say can't because not can't, we're not doing our, our sponsors or not. It would be nice if someone gave us that kind of money. Right. Absolutely. Well, you know what? That's, that is the reach. That is absolutely the reach. That's and true. if my, my vote right. doesn't. Don't say can't. I can't, agree. Don't, don't say, say don't. My, my vote, uh, I know doesn't count, but if I were in the meeting and, and I went to cast my vote, I'd say February. I'd vote for February, but you know, I'm there either way. But I think the bigger, the more time, and you've been dealing with a tremendous amount of stuff all year long. And to let it roll over into February, that just simply means it'll be bigger and better. Right. And um, if we do it in, and if, if, which I'm sure we're going to do it in February based on the meeting I had this morning at that, at that February, we're going to do a book signing of 
the book that I produced for, do you have a cop? Do you have a copy of it? No, I haven't gotten it yet. No, okay, I should, I should have made sure you had one before this meeting, but the book is, the. um, this is the book. It's a tabletop book. I went away somewhere. Yeah, there you are. It's a tabletop book. Um, and it's about John Jackson Kennedy, but the book is really about a master class on how to live and love and service to your community. And that's who John Jackson Kennedy was. The life that he lived was in service to his community. And the book consists of, it's again, it's a tabletop book. It's a, it's a book that I put together in 30 days to really honor him. And it talks about snippets of his life. It talks about his stumping ground. It gives you information about his parents, his grandparents, his family, his siblings, his nieces, his nephews. Then it goes into a man of faith. And that was the substance of who he was, that he was faithful to his community. He was faithful to his friends. And most importantly, he was faithful to the God that he served. Then it talked about his willingness to learn. And it taught, it has yeah. information from different academic institutes, his, his teachers from little, when he was elementary school, they are in the book with notes and how he maintained a relationship with them up until the day God called him home. And then the willingness to learn that he had, um, mm. what happened? That's the book. Oh, is that you put it up there? You did yes, that. Kenny did oh. that. Yes. So you could, you could or Ken, Kenny or Kiana. Okay, flip, yeah, I put uh, it to flip you. that open. Flip it open. Uh, is that going to? Just flip that little arrow. Yes, and yeah. go. So that's a snippet. Then go to the next one. You could just flip. Yeah, right yeah, there. So the table of context where I am, and it yes. talks, and in that it talks about him becoming a man. So it talks about his man, the man of faith of who he was, and then becoming John. Um, that's his stumping grounds pictures when he was young. Then it talks about his willingness to learn, and then becoming John. It talks about how he became the man that he was, his business sense, his world travel, his community, the visionary and a negotiator, the philanthropist. What what made him the man that he was. Then, of course, it talks about his personal relationship, which you just passed up um, with Rosalind, and then his political foes and allies. It talks about that. And then let's talk. And the let's talk is um, all, of the, all of his friends writing letters to him. Yeah, change has got to come, yes. And then, and yeah. then it talks about the monument of the past. That's right before change has got to come. And that's something he did in Pasadena where he put all these monuments up um, about the Black community and how they uprooted us. And he made them take accountability for that. And so that's that's in there. And then change has got to come. And that's his legacy, his vision, and his work will continue on. And so this book is really a tool for all of us to look at our lives and to see how this man lived his life to the fullest. He had a full, full life that um, really could be a guide for many of us. Mm -hmm. The life that he lived could really be a guide for us. 
And I'll read something to you that he wrote when he first decided to run for office. And I'll read this to you. In 2013, before he was elected, he said, all my life, I fought for fairness. All my life, I have fought for fairness. It is a character trait instilled in me by my late father, Thomas Foster Kennedy. He rose from humble beginnings and at a time in our nation's history when African-American men were denied the opportunity to serve our country. Yet he did. He did it with honor and distinction. My dad was highly decorated, combat wounded veteran of the Second World War in the Pacific Theater. He returned home from the war and settled in Pasadena. I am one of his 10 children. He always remained my brothers and he always reminded my brothers and sisters that ours was an honorable family. Our family name was important and always to carry ourselves with humility and dignity. He also taught us love of country and to cherish the principles of fairness upon which America was founded. I have embarked upon this campaign to represent you at City Hall as I uphold my family's legacy of service to our country and our community. But I can't do it alone. I need your support and most of all, your vote. And that's what his papers that he filed with the county in February 20, 2013. And he lived by that. And he said, and I have this quote in the book at the top. It says, I am in politics because of the conflict between good and evil. And I believe that in the end, good will triumph. And Margaret Thatcher said that quote. But that was the man who he was. My mother and father, they had 10 kids. And they reared us to be proud of who we are, that we come from a family and our family name means something. And that yes. our job is to give back and to be of service to the community. And that's what I think all of my siblings do. That's what our parents taught us. And John did it in such a magnificent way that I named the book a master class on how to live and love and service to your community because that's who John was. And so in February, I'll do a book signing and I have the book with some small changes. And I'm hoping that people will buy the book and read different chapters of it when they just want to think about John or understand him. And what you will learn from this book was that this man lived for 61 years, but he lived a full, exciting full life. Yeah. It was so full. Things that he did, people would never get to do in a lifetime. Right. And so God had him here on planet for a purpose and a reason. Yeah. And yeah. he knew it. And God used him and he allowed God to use him every moment of his life. Yeah. Uh, Lena, and, is the book available like Amazon or anything like that? Or I, The book is available right now. I, I, it can be available on Amazon, but I thought it'd be easier right now because I only have 30 left. Okay. And so you could buy the book directly from me. You could go online to um, get the book. And so, so what's your address so that people can so reach w, out? It's www.socalwomensconference.com. I think that's what you But you, if you go on there, you can buy the book. 
and or you can just contact me at L Kennedy at LLKassociates.com. And if you pick the book up from my office, it's a hundred dollars. It's a tabletop book, heart bound. Or if we mail the book to you, it's $120 because that's the postage. Okay. But it's a great, I now I am probably prejudiced, but I think it's a great book. I'm sure yeah, it is. Just, just, just to correct the site, I think it's thesocalhealthconference.com. No, but yes. you pull it up. It's www. If you type in www.socalwomensconference, then that comes up. But that's, but you could type in what I said, www.socalwomensconference.com. Okay, I, I, I'm bringing it up at thesocalhealthconference.com. Yeah, it, you, can, you can do it either way. It will still come up. Okay. The one that I said or the one you said, both of them comes up. Okay, there it is. There it is. Yes. Okay, there it is. And Lena, it is a pleasure and it's so inspiring to have you on. And John is, will always be one of my favorite people. And John would come on this network and talk and he would always say, oh, is it time up already? Can I come back? And he would say it every single time. Oh my God. And yeah, he would always say, oh, already? Oh, can I come back? Because he always had so much valuable information just we could listen to him talk and talk and talk and never get tired of it i know. never get tired of it I yeah wish i had recorded all the wisdom yeah absolutely he was extremely wise and he wasn't 90 years old I extremely know wise yeah. yeah extremely wise extremely wise but uh we will have you back in february Thank you so much for joining us and telling us about the book. And as I said before, Lena, I'm, I'm so sorry that I wasn't there, but, uh, you guys are a very special family. You are pillars of the community. John is missed, 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 and will be missed, missed, missed. And we all thank you for all the work that you do and all of the work that John did and will continue to do. Amen. His spirit lives on. His spirit lives on. Yes, his spirit lives on. So we greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Julia. We greatly appreciate it. Hi, Julia. Thank you, Kenny and Yolanda. And and hi, Julia. Hi, Hi, everyone. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Lena. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Lena. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'll see you at the meeting. Okay, great. And you have been listening to Lena Kennedy. Oh my, that's not me. (laughs) You have been listening to Lena Louise Kennedy. And we've talked about her book and her brother, John J. Kennedy, Pillars of the Community in the City of Pasadena and also Altadena. Thank you for joining us, everyone. It's been a pleasure, Lena. Love and kisses to you and your family. Thank you for joining us, and we will speak with you very soon. Have a good evening, all. And don't forget, folks, before I let you go, November 5th is our telethon. It is the Humanitarian Educational Telethon for Win Crew, the trip to Sudan. So come on back, continue to get the information, and we will speak with you. South South Sudan. South Sudan. South Sudan. South Sudan. Sudan. And then on Thursday, this Thursday, we have of uh, the majority whip Jim Clyborne in Pasadena. Oh, that's right. That's right. Absolutely. I saw that. Got it. 
Okay, thank you so much, Lena, and we'll speak with you soon. Hugs and love and kisses to you. Okay, take care. Good night.